you've got to have that hunger and that competitive edge um, to when you want something. You know what I mean? You've got to you got to go out and get it. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Matt Schrama, former professional rugby league player for the Gold Coast Titans. You'll hear how he delved into property despite aspiring to be an athlete his whole life, how the many hardships throughout his rugby career influenced his mindset and how he has built up his portfolio in a short amount of time. We find out a bit more about Matt Schrama and what he currently does. 29 years old from the Gold Coast, originally from Brisbane and Queensland. So Queensland born and bred and um, I guess, uh, yeah, my identity, so to speak, I was a former um, NRL athlete, professional athlete, then turned real estate agent, then turned um, high performance coach for younger athletes and whilst doing all of this, I've been uh, a property investor on the side, um, really enjoy that and also about to become an entrepreneur and start uh, my buyer's agency business as well. So um, yeah, that's in a nutshell. The multitasking investor delves into what a typical day in his life looks like. At the moment, I, uh, I coach uh, basically aspiring athletes with the Gold Coast Titan uh, NRL side. So literally from 12 years old all the way up to sort of 22 years old, basically a high-performance environment where we look after kids who are aspiring to be um, yeah, up-and-coming athletes. We, we mentor them, coach them and lead them on the right path and yeah, do that on a day-to-day basis um, yeah, with all the property stuff as well. Before delving into the property side of things, Shrama shares a bit about his upbringing. I grew up in Brisbane in a suburb called Forest Lake. Uh, sort of southwest Brisbane, nice, nice suburb. It's it's sort of um, it's coming a long way. It was like one of those larger estates back in the day where um, you know families built their forever homes type thing. So yeah, it's, it's actually quite a nice suburb. I enjoyed it. Went to school there from literally uh, preschool all the way to high school at Forest Lake State High School. And um, yeah, the only reason I'm down the Gold Coast now is because um, when I um, signed my contract with the, the Titans. I made the move down to the Gold Coast and haven't left since. I guess you, you can say it's for work reasons. <laughs> yeah, for for work reasons. But then once once I finished that chapter, I realised, oh man, the beach is a bit better than the lake I had up there in Brizzy. So <laughs> beautiful down here. He goes on to share at what stage in his life he delved into rugby. My mindset was always to become a professional athlete. So you'll see a lot of guys literally from graduation at year 12, they'll go straight into basically a full-time professional athlete. So mine was a little bit different. I, I That was my goal, but um, I didn't quite get there. At 18, I was sort of hustling and working hard um, to try and get a contract. So um, on the side, I was working in, you know, doing anything, warehousing, labouring, just all different sort of jobs to facilitate, um, you know, my passion of chasing being a professional athlete. So um, yeah, I worked, worked pretty long hours. Like I'd train and then go to the warehouse, do some work there, and unpack containers and stuff and then train again in the afternoon. So yeah, it was a, it was a good slog but um, yeah, I ended up getting there in the end at um, basically 
20, oh, sorry, 19 years of age, end up signing with the Gold Coast Pirates. The former rugby player explains how many hours he needed to commit to training whilst managing his heavy workload. Well, trainings were always um, generally in the morning in the junior grades. So when I was coming through the ranks around that 17 to 19 year old age, um, you know, I'd, I'd go, I'd, sorry, I'd go to work in the mornings and work all day. And then I was lucky enough I had a job where they would let me out at um, sort of 3 p.m. I'd, I'd leave the warehouse at around 3 p.m., had around a uh, good solid seven-hour day there. Then I'd drive down to the Gold Coast from Brisbane and then I'd spend the next sort of two to three hours doing gym and field fitness down there. Um, and that was sort of the routine. Now I'd drive home around, get home pretty late. I was really fortunate. I was living at home at that stage. So mum had the, had the food on the table <laughs> ready for me, which is lucky. And then... Um, yeah, so that was that was the process for for a few years. So it was, it was tough, but definitely builds resilience. And when you've got a goal, uh, it's just like property investing as well. We always think of that. You hear that word, your why. So my why was to always become a professional athlete. No one in my family done it, and um, my brother and my dad got close. And um, yeah, I really wanted to. I was the baby of the family, so I was sort of the last last hope of, of getting there. So I really wanted to become. a Shrama shares whether he did a lot of training to become an athlete before moving to the Gold Coast. I guess in primary school, like you, you play for the fun of it and you enjoy it and you know, you make rep teams and stuff like that. But once you get into sort of high school and, and late high school, you start, um, the training starts picking up, obviously. So, yeah, I've always, I've always loved my training, um, so to speak. It was always I was, again, I always had that common goal why. Like, so when times are tough and I was tired after a big day's work, it's sort of like, well, I know if I put the work in, you know, it's all going to be worth it in the end. So, and just staying consistent with that. So, I guess, yeah, like, like anything in life, I know it sounds cliche, but I've, I've seen it firsthand in the athlete world. It's like hard work and consistency will always be natural, natural talent, hands down. He looks back on the time in his life when he realised he could actually become a rugby player as the career requires a lot of strength and fitness. It's a funny one. Like There was a point probably when I was uh, 17, 18 and I actually got cut from, um, funnily enough, from the Titans. I was, I was in our junior squads so, um, as a 17, 18-year-old in our junior squads and I actually missed out on the final cut to make our under-20s side and... Um, then I, I basically stopped traveling to the Gold Coast. I, I stayed and obviously just stayed at home and played for a local team in Ipswich and in, in the Southeast Queensland competition. And um, yeah, at that, at that point, it was more, it, it really hurt obviously to be cut, but um, that was sort of a time in my life where I sort of thought, oh, maybe this isn't for me, you know, you know, um, professional sport and stuff like that. But then, yeah, I know. It, again, it sounds cliche. When your why is strong enough, you know you'll you'll push through that. So I just I just stayed out. I didn't really care that they cut me. I um I just kept working hard and um, worked long hours, and then was doing my trade at, at Ipswich, the football team there. And um, I had two really good years there, and, and won some awards. And then um, a few clubs came knocking, and then I decided to to go back to their Titans. They actually let me go, and then they wanted me back, and I sort of felt, um, yeah, that was my calling, calling on the Gold Coast. I really wanted to become like a, an RL player for the Titans. 
He goes on to explain what it's like to be a full-time professional rugby league player. I guess from a from a macro level, yeah, you're 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 paid to be the best athlete you can be. I guess it's it's like you're it's like you're an entertainer, so to speak. You know what I mean? So everything is geared towards making sure your body's right, making sure you're fast, you're strong, making sure your knowledge base is strong. So video and analysis constantly. Um, you know, extras, improving, self-growth, you know, doing all the extra sort of things. And then I guess what from a micro point of view, some people might not see, like you do a lot of community stuff. Like we're, we're us as a club, we're big on supporting our local community and school. So you do a lot of those sort of visits and visit, you know, put kids in hospital and, um, you know, you might go to school and run a session there and uh, just promote the brand and yourself around that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of positives to it. I really enjoyed it. But, I guess what people don't see is the hardships and the roller coaster of um, emotions and stuff like that because, you know, you're so invested in it and it is a bit like a bubble. So um, your whole world revolves around, um, yeah, you, you basically making that side. And if you're not in that side, you could be injured, might not make the side. You know, you're playing good one week, you're cut the next week. It's, um, and then you're, they'll cut your salary. Like it's pretty cutthroat. You always got to be at the top of your game and there's always, someone above you that you're chasing and there's always um, someone younger than you hunting for your spot as well. So, um, yeah, you always got to be on your game. Reflecting on his time with the Titans, he shares with us the hardships and the challenges he experienced. Something that doesn't get spoken about and that's why I respect, um, you know, I respect a lot of industries, of course, but I obviously know the athlete space really well and what athletes go through, not just rugby league, like all athletes in general and even the toll it takes on um, families and stuff like that. Like, like for instance, I had teammates who, um, you know, they sign a deal, just say on the Gold Coast and then they're cut and then they're told, you know, they're not wanted here and then they have to literally shift their whole family to keep, move the kids out of school who they just made friends with and then like travel over, they have to go to England or, um, somewhere you know that they didn't want to really go and things happened like literally in 24 hours like you might be signed with the Gold Coast next minute you're getting told you're not wanted and um, you've got to pack up and leave to Sydney if you want to keep your dream alive so there's a lot of that sort of stuff um, for me personally I was really lucky I was a one club man I, I played for the Gold Coast the whole time um, I, I signed um, a long-term deal there which is really good but um, for me my biggest um, struggle was definitely with injuries and stuff like that. So, like, you know, my first three years as a, you know, 19-year-old coming in the first grade and debuting at 20 years old, basically, like, living the dream, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm winning man of matches. I'm our starting hooker, um, you know what I mean? TV and media, all that sort of stuff. And then probably two years in, you know, I get one injury and then I'm out for a few months. And then um, I basically had about six, six to seven injuries back to back all up I had sort of nine surgeries throughout my short career and um, that was really tough to sort of be on the spotlight and then basically no one even knows where you are you're basically on your own training and rehab and getting the body right and then I'm back in there back in there again work hard and then you know I'll get a dislocated shoulder so yeah it was a a really tough trot with the injury Um, just mentally staying focused and saying um because i see a lot of guys you know they might even have just one or two injuries and it really really knocks them around because you know they they obviously didn't plan to have that so 
for me, it built a lot of resilience and I, I really enjoyed that process. As funny as it sounds, it, it made me um, who I am today. And it, it, yeah, but yeah, it was tough. There's a plenty of tough moments. It's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster. You ask any athlete, it's, it's definitely an emotional roller coaster. Strama shares how his injuries have had a long-term impact on him, allowing him to focus on other things outside of being an athlete. I'm sure we will about the property stuff and that's how it all sort of started because I had extra time. But um, yeah, it's like to this day, like um, I always believe things happen for a reason and with every sort of setback, there's, there's blessings that come out of it. And uh, as funny as it sounds, yeah, I had a heap of injuries and I had to work really hard to maintain them. But um, funnily enough, like now post-career and um, I still really enjoy my fitness and, and looking after my body. My body's probably the best shape it's ever been because I've worked so hard at trying to get it to a level where I'm not in pain. So it's beyond that now. It's more like I've improved actually where I was as a young kid. So, But yeah, you're exactly right. It, that, that's why I ended up retiring. I got doctor's advice, you know, at 26, you know, I had nine surgeries and they're sort of saying, well, you know, footy's not everything in life. You've got to take a, you know, you've got to be able to run with your children one day and stuff like that. So, um, that's where I weighed things up and realized, you know, there is more to life than just being an athlete. It's really fascinating to hear it from that. I mean, like 26 is still extremely young. Most people are just finishing either university and just starting and you've just retired. Yeah, I know. It's, and, it, and it's funny, Tyrone, like I, I, look at, I look at it now and like I'm st- I, I still have to tell myself I'm still young. Like it's, it's just funny like any athlete because it's such a small window. Like you're literally thrust into the scene at like 19 with these grown men. So, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like you sort of grow up pretty quick, but um, I have to keep reminding myself like far out. Like I, like looking back now, man, I was just a baby. Like in my even maturity level in terms of just life where, where you know, now that I'm 29, I'm sort of like, man, I was such a baby. And then it's funny like, me talking about this now at 29, probably when I get to 30, 40, I'll be like, man, I had no idea what I was talking about in my 20s. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right, but it's, it's, a, it's a, you are so young when you're in the athlete. You have no, you don't know any different. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we hear how the former rugby league player got into property investment. It's an interesting one because Looking back now and knowing what I know, I, and it's you hear it with a lot of investors. What's what's the one thing you wish you did? You change, and you know it's usually oh, I wish I got into it earlier. And um, for me, that's definitely the case as well. Like how many properties he currently holds in his portfolio? So at the moment, there's five in the portfolio. It sits around two and a half mil with a sixty percent LVR. So yeah, they've all they've all done pretty well. But um, I'm I'm at the point now where, um, and this is, I guess, another real big lesson I've learned as well is the power of um, servicing and stuff like that and how you can boost, um, you know, your, your case to the bank. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Drama goes on to talk about how his family background in sport influenced him to pursue a career in rugby. Pretty standard story, you know, dad played um, 
he did play professionally. He, he was always a hard worker. He nearly got there. And then obviously that transitioned on to my older brother. He played, he nearly got there. He played um, semi-professional, you know, still was working and stuff like that. Never got to the NRL, but he was um, he was sort of close and stuff like that. So, yeah, it just got passed down really. And, and I, I always laugh about it. Like me and my brother used to compete on everything. Like he was six years older than me and, um, yeah, just always getting beaten throughout my whole childhood. And, um, yeah, and it's funny, I look back now and it probably, that's the reason why I think I ended up getting there in the end is because I'm so used to losing, you know, and always like wanting to beat him with everything. And, um, I think anything in life, like especially sport, but same that you can relate it to investing as well. Like you, you've got to have that hunger and that competitive edge, um, when you want something, you know what I mean. You gotta, you gotta go out and get it. Like it's not gonna come to you, sort of thing. So, um, I think it's just been passed down from my, my yeah, my family. Yeah. He goes on to share the stage in which he finally took the plunge into property. It's an interesting one because looking back now and knowing what I know, I and it's you hear it with a lot of investors. What's what's the one thing you wish you did? You change, and you know, it's usually oh, I wish I got into it earlier. And um, for me, that's definitely the case as well. Like. Knowing what I know now, like you know, I was on a I was on a contract um, to play professional sport at nineteen twenty. I could have, like, now that I know about servicing and all that sort of, like, I should have taken advantage of um, the banks and you know, in stuff like that. But I, I just had no idea about property at all. So it actually, I got into property um, pretty much when I retired. It's, it's a funny story. I was sitting in a um, in a waiting room. Or um, I had an injury, and it was one of my last injuries before I retired. And um, just sitting in the waiting room, and they had the magazines, you know, just the magazines in the waiting room, like the New Idea and uh, all the all the Women Weekly or whatever it is. And there was there was a random like Australian property API mag. I think it was API, whatever the magazine called. Yeah, some yeah one of, yeah one of them older style ones and. Um, yeah, I just picked that up and started reading it. And I don't know, it, it sort of like hooked me straight away. Like, it sounds weird. Like, there's a lot of just stories, like of people doing in property and then a lot of graphs and numbers. And I, um, I love all that sort of stuff as well. And um, yeah, it, re- it really, really interests me that property, people were actually buying property not to live in. Like, people were like using it as like an investment vehicle. So, um, yeah, I, I still laugh about it to this day. Like, I actually took the mag home. It's still got the sticker on it. This is property of the X-ray plate. So, I will give it back to them one day. I promise that. But uh, <laughs> I, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, man, that's, that's how much I loved it. And I, I've never seen that magazine before. I, I just didn't even know they made magazines on property. Limits. So, I was like, man, I've got to, I really have to take this. Home. I don't know where I'll find it. And then I ended up seeing them in, like, news agencies. So, yeah, just used to flood my brain with um, that sort of content and YouTube and, and stuff. Like that. And that's how I got into it. But yeah, to answer your question, that was pretty much at the back end of my career, yeah. What year was that roughly that you actually started looking at your first property? I retired in 2016. I got my first property in 2014 and then my first investment property at 2015. So yeah, yeah, basically just had an owner OK and one investment. Um, yeah, pretty much when I re- retired. But yeah, I could have definitely capitalized a lot more if I knew what I knew now and stuff. But as I said, I, 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 I'm happy with um, 
what happened. You win and you learn, don't you? He looks back on the first property he purchased and shows how he found it. For me, my um, my journey was a bit a bit different. Like I, I went the owner off first and investment after that. But for me, I looking back, like I probably would have went like in investment first. To be honest, now knowing again, now knowing what I know and things like that, um, I didn't know too much about investing, so to speak. I, I knew a little bit about property, so. Yeah, I just in 2014 I got um, yeah like an owner. Like I still actually live here now, and it's it's um, yeah it's got land content. It's, it's close to the beach, and um, I didn't know a thing about negotiation at that stage. So um, looking back again, I probably could have saved a lot more money if I knew what I was doing then. I didn't even know what I was building a pest. I had nobody sort of to lean on like with the process. Um, obviously, the agent always working for the seller, and they, they they help you to a degree. But I generally felt like I had no one to lean on to because no one in my family was into property or anything like that. So um, yeah, I just sort of went on YouTube and typed in you know things like what's a, a broker and what's a solicitor and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, just learnt as I went, learnt as I went. So yeah, got got this first property that's done really well now. Pure coincidence. To a coincidence, it was a good, it, as they say, location does a lot of heavy lifting. So I was in a yeah, it's just really close to the ocean, and it's obviously you can't build east. So um, yeah, and it experienced some good growth down here on the um, the Gold Coast at that 2014 mark. He delves more into how he was inspired to get into property after picking up that first Australian Property Investor magazine. It was like a meant to be moment because um, you know I was. Well, after I bought that owner occupier, the first one, you sort of like, oh, it's like some for some people that's the dream, isn't it? Just to buy, you know, an owner occupier and pay it off in forty years or whatever. But um, you know, I was still still earning money, and um, you know, I was a single guy just living in not real too many expenses other than that mortgage. And um, it's like, well, what is your? I, I just loved education. So you, the more you start reading and learning, your mindset changes. So I guess my mindset started shifting after, you know, the usual like rich dad, poor dad and, um, you know, you, you just see other people and learn about leverage and all that sort of stuff and that's when I started thinking like I, I just used to put my savings in a term deposit at the bank and then I'd be like, oh, yeah, you get a return. But obviously, you know, like you can get a way better return than that. So, um, yeah, that's when I, I, I got really into like, okay, how can I invest for the purpose, not to live in, to actually generate some some wealth in terms of cash flow and capital capital growth? So, yeah, that's when I got in the rabbit hole. And as you know, once you're in the rabbit hole, it's hard to get out. It's um, it's, a, it's a really interesting world, the property investment space. And there's always something to learn. No one knows everything. You know what I mean? I, 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 don't, I think there's so much to learn in that space. Inspired by Matt Schramer's journey, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory where we'll hear about the moment where everything just clicked for him. When you get the rental income coming in like into your bank account and then 
um, you know, your repayment. If you if you bought well and um, you know you you bought at the right price and you got your loan structured properly and you know with with all that side of things, um, you sort of look at your balance sheet and you're like far out. Like the kinds of resources that have inspired him along his investing journey. There's a bit of everything everywhere, so you've got to be educated in what you what you do. But my go-to's mate. Uh, um, podcast like honestly like yourself um, the property couch is really good and that's next time in a future episode of property investory